Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 4th, 2013. I always advise newcomers at the beginning of the broadcast rather than pestering all the way through to make good use of the website CuttingThroughMatrix.com and you'll find lots of audios for free downloads there where I go through the system you're born into and the one that you take for granted and I show you how it works and I show you how for over 100 years with mass communication, even starting with the radio and telephone and so on, up to the present time, the big boys who already ruled the world decided that they would bring in a new type of society worldwide. In other words, they go for broke, they go for the whole planet, all of its resources, everything, including water and food and so on, and we're pretty well there today. And it's called globalism under various terms, globalism and harmonization of, of countries into continents, etc., as they amalgamate us into trading blocks that are supposed to then compete against each other, which is ridiculous if you want to compete with China and you live in, say, North America. But that's what the, this is the, the nonsense behind it. But it's not really nonsense. The biggest boys at the top know what they're doing. And there's never been a time in history where there's been so many rich people, ultra, ultra rich people getting to the top now and really a declining middle class and in masses of poor folk. It's getting that way. It's a massive, massive uh, gulf or gap, they call it, between the rich and the poor. And it's all by design as well, as they bring in a new planned society, planned economy. Everything's to be planned, not haphazard, not a, not a system where you can make your own mind up what you want to work at and so on, but a system where you'll be told what you'll work at. And in fact, you won't even get born eventually unless they actually need you to fulfill some particular job. I'm not kidding about this. So make sure you make good use of the cutting through the matrix.com website. Remember, there's also transcripts for prints up as well on the sites in English. And if you go into Alan Watts Sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts in other languages. And remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me tick along by getting the books and discs at cutting through the matrix.com originating. And from the US to Canada, remember, personal checks are still good as are international postal money orders from the post office. Or you can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are really, really awfully welcome. As we're through austerity, planned austerity, post-consumerist society. That's what we're into. And uh, you're getting taught gradually. And actually, the acceleration is, is on now, of course, to, to teach you that, uh, that the old days are gone. The young ones will adapt very quickly to it because they haven't known any other system and, and they've had more programming in school uh, because every few years they update all the programming, even for kindergarten, to make sure they're programmed for what they will experience in the big changes in their lifetimes. That's how, how incredibly intricately the whole system is managed. And most folk are oblivious to it, of course. Because you're taught to simply grow up, go to college and so on, university, get your silly degrees, and, and and the world's all fair, and if you work hard, you'll make it to the top. Nothing is further from the truth. It's never been that way at all, in fact. It's all who you know and what families you're born into. That's what depends. That's what depends on, on how you're going to get up to the top and where you're going to be. If not, then 
you know, you, you get a lower paying job or even a job outside the field completely. Lots of folk have found that out, unfortunately, and they're still finding out too as you go in for degrees that are, are pretty well useless to them and they end up doing menial task jobs. They've been doing that in Britain for about 30 years now, I think, and they're still doing it in the States in some parts too. So the world is managed with big business plans. Uh, the, the, the big changes, even including the wars, are simply formulas and they're all scripted out in advance many, many years before countries are invaded and then standardized and forced under the IMF and forced to have a, a central private bank running their, their system, borrowing from the World Bank. This is the time of standardization. Look around you at the faces you see. You'll see standardized expressions. Back with more after this break. I'm back cutting through the matrix and what I generally go into is the, the history of the big system that we're living in and how the big boys got together a long time ago. Big boys, big international moneylenders, guys who lent to nations, have got together and formed their foundations, their private, charitable, philanthropic foundations. In other words, they're tax-free for them. And so they can put lots of their money from their big banking enterprises. And don't forget the banking enterprises, the big ones like Goldman Sachs and so on, own lots and lots of big international companies as well, with corporations and businesses, not just banking. And they got together, as I say, a long time ago and decided to, that since they were running the world already, which they were, since they could uh, decide what the value of cash was in any particular country any time they wanted to, uh, then they should uh, naturally run the world. They, they believe they're the most evolved people on the planet. And in a Darwinian sense, uh, they'd proven themselves by holding on to their money through generations and by special selective breeding, really, really selective. And they don't marry because uh, a woman is, is a nice woman or something. They marry because she's the offspring of someone comparative to their self and, and um, comparable, I should say, to themselves from wealthy, wealthy families who've held on to their cash too. And this is part of the Darwinian uh, agenda, you might say. And so they've hired thousands of think tanks to run the world. They run the governments already. In fact, they put out front institutions, which is private, again, private companies, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, and which uh, also has the Council on Foreign Relations on board with it because it's, it's a branch of the same company. And, or organization. And they are private, as I say, and yet they run and advise all governments across the planet now on, on the courses to take on everything from economics to everything today. We don't vote them in. In fact, the ones you vote in really are much lower down in the totem pole than the guys that are sent in and appointed to advise the front men. It's always been like that. And, um, and that's how the world is really run. As I always think back to the old movie, it was called Rollerball, and at that time it was that the corporations run the world, and that ties in with the, the personal historian of the, the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, Carol Quigley, the professor, who was the professional historian, because they had their own version of history, because they're behind a lot of it, in fact. And he said he was all for what their, their agenda. And um, he wrote his books on it, 
and laid it all on the line. That eventually the Bank for International Settlements would be the big, big uh, company that ran the world's economy. Under the Bank for International Settlements, they'd have the private uh, central banks of nations. And, um, and they'd also have the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, that would be the, the muscle boys. They'd tell governments how to run the country. Actually, they would guide the countries and have members on your government when you've got in t- when times of depression, you couldn't pay your cash back, so they send them in to do it. So that it's all turned out that way in my lifetime. Even though quickly wrote that a long time ago, and they set up the plans for it back in the 1910s, around that that period, to set up the BIS and IMF and so on. So you're living through a long-term script. And even remember too that the big boys that have all the think tanks now also have to alter cultures in different countries to bring them into line with the culture that they think will serve them at the top better. And we think we're free because we think we get more and more freedoms in culture. And you get more and more mayhem, that's for sure. And out of the mayhem, you get, you get police states, of course, to take care of the, of the fallout. And you have massive amounts of government agencies dealing with the fallout too. This is all part and parcel of this big sacrifice we'll have to make to go into this world system, which we run more efficiently, supposedly, as the guys at the top are getting even more stinking rich than they've ever been in history. But uh, again, they bring out the, the, the different organizations and, and green organizations and so on and so on. And most of the followers haven't a clue that they're being used. They really don't know they're being used. Mind you, they start off the indoctrination fairly early, even in kindergarten. That's the, you've got to get them very young and really indoctrinate them very early and keep repetition, repetition until they can't think outside the box. It's all been done to a generation, in fact. And now, of course, economy is now merged with energy and climate change, you see. Here's an article here, for instance, from, from Britain. It says, industry leaders have warned that the government is badly underestimating the effect of energy and climate change policies on the ceramics sector. And the big ceramics is uh, Wedgwood, as an example. And it says that the government's new rules, it says that businesses are bearing the financial brunt of policy decisions and there are some serious exclusions in costs and its assessments. There is search for the Department of Energy and Climate Change. So all energy now is coupled with climate change, you see, even though it's all bogus, but it's got a big, big purpose to fulfill, which has nothing to do with what they tell you. Reveals that large energy intensive businesses use face bills, uh, they're facing bills, the big businesses, that are up to 14% higher as a result of government policies. By 2020, the impact is expected to be between 6% for some companies and 36% for others. So it's putting a lot of business. Other ones are uprooting and leaving the country. And so, they want the businesses are making uh, dispassionate decisions on where to, to invest. So now they're, they're all looking offshore to invest their money and pull out to Britain because of all these emission trading rules systems, carbon taxes, energy taxes, and all this nonsense. And as I say, the guy from Wedgwood, who's in charge of it now, actually talks about that in his article. It's quite interesting. But it says, um, in the budget last month, Chancellor George Osborne announced that he would extend some support for energy-intensive industries to 2015, while there was still some process made from exempt, some processes made exempt from the climate change levy from April 2014. Well, all that money too is, all that cost is eventually passed on to the, the, the guy at the bottom that uses the, the energy or buys the product. So in all the ceramic industries welcomed the move, many, as I just pointed out, the savings could be wiped out by a minor increase in energy costs. 
So governments are doing their best to wreck any economy that's left in their countries in the first world nations. That's rather obvious, isn't it? When you're in the middle of, let's call it what it is, it's a depression. The depression's been here for a long time. And there's no uh, hope for the future at the moment. They can't see it improving at all over, over so many years. It's not going to happen. And uh, and here they are forcing the last few businesses out of the country because now they've coupled all energy use with, with carbon taxes and energy taxes. And you can't make anything without using energy. So I'll put that up tonight too. Also this one here, again, to do with the greenies and so on, I'll get used it says, climate science has now humiliated. Earlier model of prognosis of warmer winters are now today's laughingstocks. And it says, the earth has a fever. It says, the science is settled and the debate is over. Scientists are unanimous that 97% of them agree that climate change is real and is happening now. And we've got to act quickly. Well, that's what we've heard for the last 20 odd years, right? It's even more than two decades ago, we were told again and again that everywhere was warming faster than everywhere else. Especially winters were warming up quickly. Snow was becoming a thing of the past, and soon uh, children wouldn't, be, wouldn't know what snow was. The warm winters that we were seeing are just a harbinger of what's to come, they said, and immediately cleared a couple of years ago. The scientists were cocksure of, of their theories, you see. Today we're finding out that precisely the exact opposite is happening. Winters in Europe have turned colder and more severe. Central Europe has seen its fifth, fifth consecutive colder than normal winter in a row. So records since measurements began in the 19th century. Climate scientists first reacted by claiming one winter doesn't make a, a trend. Then they said that the cold winters now were a local phenomenon. Finally, they were forced to, to recently claim cold winters now fit the picture of global warming. I mean, you can't win. This is, this is a massive agenda run by the top money boys. Think of the cash they're going to rake in all these energy taxes and carbon taxes. And it gives you a list of failed predictions. And many of them, these, these organizations were based in Germany. And it's, it's quite comical. It says, um, due to global warming, the coming winters in the local regions will become milder. And that was from the Stefan Ramsdorf Potsdam Institute of Climate Impact Research, University of Potsdam, 2006. And this one here is from the same, same group. Milder winters, drier summers. Climate study shows a need to adapt in Saxony. Anhalt, it says, adapt to the new climate change. Another one here is from the Max Plax Institutes in Hamburg. More heat waves, no snow in the winter. Climate models, it says, over 20 times more precise than the UN IPCC global models. That's, you know, special computers. And no other country do we have more precise calculations of climate consequences. It says they should form the basis for political planning. Temperatures in the war- winter time will rise the most. There will be less cold air coming to Central Europe from the east. In the Alps, winters will be 2 degrees centigrade warmer and between 2021 and 2050. And of course now Germany's freeze, still freezing, yeah, so we are in Canada here, or it's in Ontario where I am. This one here was also uh, from, um, it was um, the Potsdam Institute, it says, from William Gestern Garb and Peter Werner. It says, the new Germany will be characterized by dry hot summers and warm wet winters. And in this other one here, it says, clear climate trends are seen from the computer simulations. Foremost, the winter months will be warmer all over Germany, depending, of, uh, depending on CO2 emissions. Temperatures will rise by up to 4 degrees centigrade in the Alps and up to 5 degrees centigrade. And so that was Max Planck Institute of Meteorology, Hamburg again. I, wish I bet they wish they never said that. That was in 2009. 
Another one, in summer, under certain conditions, the scientists reckon with a complete melting of the Arctic sea ice, that's getting covered in sheets of ice right now. For Europe, we expect an increase in drier and warmer summers. Winters, on the other hand, will be warmer and wetter. That was 2005. That's, that's your unanimous consensus amongst the top scientists that are getting paid handsomely for this big racket, this con. And as it goes on and on, it's, it's quite a good article. I'll put the link up tonight. So I'll put all the links up tonight uh, in the articles I discuss at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But that's how we're run by chronology and fear and terror. Always get you terrified. And it's always, and again, you know, all the little greenies are all used and think, oh, we've got to stop all this and, you know, and cut back and go to austerity and, 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 and heat ourselves with candles and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they're all getting used by big international corporations and banks. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about the big system of chronology. And you don't realize how many articles you read in today's media are handouts from the Pentagon in different places and so on and so on. Very seldom you get any, any really good in-depth story. Actually, it's changing very quickly. It's it's getting worse. There's so much trivia getting thrown out there because since the news laws were passed on defaming people or something like that, false accusations on all the sex scandals, everybody sort of pulled in with the Leveson report in Britain and the one that they pulled out for Australia too. And journalists are afraid to, to say anything or put personal comments in or, or observations on anything. So once again, we're back to a lot of trivia. But however, there's some interesting stories nonetheless. And it says, forget the mafia. Our establishment covers up its crimes better than anyone. And it says, the British state protects its own. Whitehall does its utmost to safeguard former cabinet ministers and senior civil servants from investigation by invoking the usually bogus defense of national security. That's the act that they use. And this way, a curtain is drawn over past acts of carelessness or ineptitude in government. Skullduggery and lies are concealed. Official papers are not released for at least 20 years, and even then, the more incriminating ones are held back for longer. Compared to 50 years, even 90 in Britain. The, little, the latest example of institutional cover-up concerns Jack Straw, the former Foreign Secretary, Foreign's a word, and Sir Mark Allen, a former senior MI6 officer. Both men have reportedly said they cannot respond to allegations of conspiracy in the torture of a prominent Libyan dissident pleading the need to keep official secrets. And so in other words, they can, they can keep ruining folks' lives and killing folk too. And oops, it's a mistake or whatever. And it's just under national security. So they just stamp it that way. And the people never hear about the truth until 20 years. Who cares 20 years down the road? You don't care what happened 20 years previously. That's how they, they can do it. They've done this for a long time this way. And it says, the silence follows Whitehall's refusal to release secret pre-Iraqi war discussions between Tony Blair and President George W. Bush to the Chilcot inquiry. Without such evidence, Sir John Chilcot and his colleagues will be unable to produce a complete report on the Iraqi war. Well, we already know it did come out in the media that Tony Blair did get the big oil boys in all the big corporations of Europe in, on, and, and they were all really, really putting cash in and, and donating money and all the rest of it into the, the labor system. And in return, they hoped to get uh, to divvy up Iraq 
in, in the oil fields, which they did actually. And they went in long before they, they went into Iraq for, as a war. It's all pre-planned. Everything is pre-planned, you understand. This is one I would have hoped that Mr. Straw and Sir Mark Allen would wish to cooperate in order to establish their innocence. And then goes through the history of what happened with Abdel Hakim Belhad and his wife, and how they were snatched in Malaysia by the CIA and flown to Libya, where they were both tortured by Colonel Mohammed Gaddafi's thugs. It's amazing, too, because at the same time, Tony Blair was overseeing Colonel uh, Muammar Gaddafi and, um, and, and at the time Blair was representing J.P. Morgan. <laughs> Not bad deal, eh? So everything is a con, and you understand they go to great lengths to, to keep the, the general public from knowing about it. Not the general public. The general public really don't care what they hear. The general public, most of them, I'm talking about the vast bulk of them, uh, are quite happy with these women that come on now to give you news and yell. The yells have had no microphone there, as though they were shouting the entertainment news at you. And they like the trivia and so on. And all the celebrities have been trained, you see, for that. That wasn't a mistake either. It was done deliberately. And getting back to Greenies and so on, it's a good article in the Financial Post. It's Canadian pipelines targeted by U.S. funds. And what you've got really is, is, is really Tides Canada. Tides, they call it this big foundation. This charity they call themselves, T-I-D-E-S Canada. And um, it says that the head of it, Ross McMillan, is going to meet Wednesday at the Economic Club of Canada and going through uh, accountability and transparency in the charity sector. And it says perhaps Mr. McMillan will explain why the U.S. Tides Foundation uh, founded Tides Canada. Because it's a U.S. company. It's a U.S. charity, right? They're trying to stop the tar sands projects in, in Canada. And so why, and who's funding Tides? Where did they get their cash from? Well, the Rockefeller boys, brothers, are, are half, they back half the cash that goes in. Massive money goes into, millions every year, goes into getting the protesters out to stop all the, the, the economy in Canada, in the British Columbia area. And I remember Rockefeller brothers and Rockefeller themselves, uh, they had standard oil. They were broken up, supposedly broken up, uh, under the racketeering charges and so on, monopoly charges, when they had uh, Standard Oil. But they, t- they kept Standard Oil, and they simply got many, many front organizations. So they've, they've got a big hand in the oil business. And here they are trying to stop uh, exploration for oil and using the tar sands in, in Western Canada on behalf of themselves. So they'll benefit in the States. And they're using the Greenies to do it. The Greenies don't know. All the followers don't know, but the ones who lead all the greenie movements, some of them have got six-digit figure uh, um, paychecks annually. They know what it's all about. I always say never join a group. You're going to get used. And you'll be used by the very folk that you think you're fighting. It's amazing. It's astonishing. But it's a good article, and as I say, I'll put it up tonight, and you go through this amazing web of intrigue of cash, massive money. Uh, on the annual budget, it says for the campaign against uh, Canadian oil was $7 million annual budget. That's what they're putting into it, just to try to get all these NGOs out to protest it. Amazing, isn't it? Then after, after the protest, they drive away in the VW uh, cars, you know, and they think they're doing good for the world. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the Matrix and we live in a, a Disneyland in a sense. And um, we're always given new realities all the time to believe in, you see. And most folk, it's true, listen to the news and they don't reason through things. It's, it's delivered in such a way you don't, you say, well, I don't have to reason through it. They're, they're telling me all I need to know in, in, in simple speak. That's, that's what most folk think. And I think it was Jack C. Lull said, he's a philosopher that said that uh, most folk don't reason or think through what's being said to them, like news. And he said that uh, they absorb it by osmosis. It just becomes part of their thinking without them actually reasoning through it, using critical reasoning and theory and so on. So that's how it comes. And of course, repetition is awfully good for that too. That's the media makes sure they're all on board with the same stories to make sure we all get the same repetitive nonsense. But... um. They give us new terms every so often, and um, what they did in Cyprus, for instance, was a new a novelty. It was a novelty to start plundering, uh, just stealing the bank accounts, and then calling it haircuts initially. To save the banks, we've got to steal the depositors' money. And of course, at the time too, I knew this was going to be a trial balloon, and they kept hyping it up, hyping it up, until we've all got it through our thick skulls, through osmosis, that eventually it's coming to a place near you. So that's how they do it, to see how people are going to react across the world. Are they all pulling their cash out of the banks or not? If they're not, then, yep, that's working. You know, they're, they're going back to sleep and they'll accept what will happen to them. It's kind of legalities. And the legality is okayed by your silence, you see. But now they're calling it a new term. And a lot of new terminology, new terms and new words and so on. They make them up all the time. And they're calling it, not calling it haircuts, that's calling it bail-ins. To bail in the bank, you've got to rob the customers. You see? So it says, Unicredit says global need, uh, the global rule is needed to bail in big deposits in banks. They want a, they want a banking global rule, says Unicredit. Uninsured deposits could be used in future bank failures, provided global rule makers agree on a common approach, according to Federico Guzona. Gazzoni, it says, a chief executive officer of Italy's biggest lender, Unicredit. This is cutting large deposits and failing banks along with other liabilities such as bonds to offset losses is acceptable. Stealing is acceptable as long as small savers funds remain protected, Gazzoni told reporters in Vienna late yesterday. So it's okay to, I mean, what's, and again, to don't, don't, don't fall for the con. Well, it's only going to be the ultra-rich is going to get this. Uh, it's like their taxes. It's always, always going to be the ultra-rich who get it. Who do you think gets a piece of bulk of taxes? It's all you guys at the bottom. And whatever they start with, it's not how they end. You know that too. I hope by experience. All laws expand and expand and change and have amendments written to them. The European Union has to introduce identical rules in all of its member states. And ideally those rules would be coordinated globally, he said. So they want global coordination again through the bank. It doesn't say the bank BIS here, but it will be the bank of international settlements. This is including deposits It becomes a European solution We cannot accept this differentiation uh, Country by country Inside the same area So the same theft same amount of theft By the same proportion of theft for every country So that makes it legal To plunder you (laughs) Must be wonderful to be up there isn't it eh? You can just change realities It suits you as Cyprus became a testing ground for investor losses when Euro-area authorities last month acquired reconstructuring of the country's two biggest banks as a condition of a 10 billion euro rescue. The Cyprus program was the first to impose losses on uninsured depositors. Now, most folk probably don't know you, you, you could insure your, your deposits. 
Because they don't tell you at the bank. But again, it's only up to about 100,000 or so. And it says, um, as the EU continues to, ha- uh, to hash out how to handle failing banks on a case-by-case basis, so they're expecting a lot more to fail. Actually, they're giving the green light to the banks to do this, aren't they? Of course they are. We're going to bail them out again. This time, they can just rob the customers and steal their, all their pensions that are put in there and all the rest of it. It's just rob the, push, the customers and the deposits. So Gizoni says the deposits should be, only be included when bonds aren't sufficient and those below the guaranteed level of 100,000 euros should be off limits. While he would prefer not to touch them at all, including deposits in a global plan was an acceptable solution, he said. And also this ties in with an article that I've got for Canada too. And I mentioned it last week when I saw the, the budget bill and I read it out that uh, it was included in the budget bill. They can do the same in Canada. It's written into the bill. And I mentioned it earlier this week again too. Now it's hit the mainstream here. And it says that um, it's from the Toronto Star. It says, new rules will allow Canadian regulators to seize unspecified bank liabilities, including perhaps the savings of uninsured depositors, and use them to prop up a faltering institution, which is exactly what Cyprus's government did to deal with its banking crisis, writes Thomas Wickham. And it says, be prepared if you hold the wrong kind of bank accounts. The finance minister, Jim Flaherty, may have your savings in his crosshairs. And that's the message from the finance department, which has been set to the unwelcome task of having to explain the government's latest attempt to prevent a Cyprus-style financial meltdown in Canada. Two weeks ago, Flaherty quietly served notice on his budget that Ottawa is preparing a new set of what is called bail-in rules. I love how they change reality by their terms. Bail-in, you know. Not bailouts or rob or plunder or steal, but bail-in rules that could impose uh, uh, should one of the country's big banks face collapse. It would allow federal regulators to seize unspecified bank liabilities, including perhaps the savings of uninsured depositors, and use them to prop up a faltering institution, which, as it turns out, is exactly what Cyprus's government did to deal with this banking crisis. So it's just astonishing, as I say, that the public just yawn. They just yawn. They're getting told what's coming, but they yawn, you see. Because again, they have it, strangely, they have it in their heads. Well, that was Cyprus. It won't happen to us. They're talking about it being global. There's been nobody at the top. Now we think the top is, again, like the BIS or an IMF, World Bank, and so on. None of these guys are against it. This is going to be the new normal. Because all the banks have overextended themselves with their fractional reserve uh, deposits and so on. They're supposed to have in, in, in there. It's never enough. They go way beyond that as they always lend out money, which is created on the spot, basically. When you take out loans. They're all beyond it. Remember, Canada, too, uh, is, is better at propaganda than other countries. It doesn't have to give it out. It just keeps silent on things. And they did say one thing in the 2008 bank collapse and the mortgage fiascos and so on, that Canada wasn't affected. That's what we're told. Just a one-liner, Canada wasn't affected. Four years later, they told us that the government had been bailing out the top banks in Canada. That's how they treat you when you're an ex-colony of Britain. You're actually, you're still a colony of Britain anyway. Same in Australia and New Zealand too. So that's going to be the new normal. Bail-ins, they call it. Bail-ins. No, don't call it thieving or theft or, or plunder. Just call it bail-ins. And most folk will. I'll, I'll stick to plunder and theft. Yeah. Guess what it is? Don't change, change reality and your perceptions by their terminologies. 
They hire massive marketing companies, pay them lots of money to come up with, with cons like this, bailing. It probably costs a few, quite a, a few hundred thousands just for some company to come up with that idea. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it's easy money for the guys who dream it up. Also tonight too, I'll put up an article from the Council on Foreign Relations on the economic prospects for the Eurozone. Now don't forget the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, uh, they have a, every parliamentarian there and all the, the big guys at the top, above the parliament guys, because the parliament guys are low down in the totem pole in this new anti, anti-democratic system. And um, they basically are, are part of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And, and they're all members of the Council on Foreign Relations and the European Council for Foreign Relations. doesn't matter who, who's in there. From across the whole of Europe, they're all members of the one private club. Private club. This sets all policies. And your media, because all your media and all the stories you'll, you'll get, what you won't get. So they're, they're, they're talking about the future, and of course, these are the guys who are also were, were behind that the parent company or organisation, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, was behind the whole amalgamation for the for Europe under one big, massive, anti-democratic government, which they have now. Under, under the guise of free trade. That's how they started off, free trade. They're doing the same in Canada too, in the US, Mexico, and a few other countries in Latin America. Under the NAFTA, it's still ongoing, by the way. They've signed many, many deals to, for closer ties, they call it, as they change other laws to amalgamate. And also, coal is making a comeback in Europe. Remember all that stuff? Oh, coal's away. Oh, it's out because, oh, it's too dirty and all that. Coal's making a comeback in Europe as conventional gas dries up. Now, supposedly, what do you believe now? They're finding gas everywhere. They've never had as much. Never telling you coal's making a comeback because conventional gas is drying up in some places. What do you believe? Do you know what you believe anymore? Anyway, it says Europe's declining competitiveness of the U.S. industry as its leaders worried, uh, but they admit having no hope of matching the shale revolution that's powering, powering a revival of manufacturing across the Atlantic. And for Europe to remain in the game, energy taxes must be held in check. And no new taxes levied, said the European Union's energy commissioner. You've got, for the whole, all these countries in Europe, you've got a European Union energy commissar. I mean, it's, it's a new Soviet, folks. Only the fascists run it. But they run all the public below it under the communist style. So this commissar is Gunther Oettinger, it says here. I said, who's not voted in, I'm sure, by anybody, uh, the general populations of Europe. I said, Europe must use its energy more efficiently. <laughs> and the European Union's 27 member countries should open their energy markets to cross-border competition and so on and so on. But, uh, yeah, they're actually, it says here that they're, uh, they're using more coal again. This shows you. Think of all the money it was to, to close all those coal mines down. And think of all the money it goes into to start them all up again. Everything's a con game, really, isn't it? Isn't it? Also, a great article, too. A New York police officer is accused of leading a, a, a drug robbery crew. And they've amassed millions, apparently, over the last 10 years. That's not a bad little article. I'll shove it up. Just to show you how, how things are. We're used to getting these little stories about cops and that and like that, but the guys at the bottom, even though they make a lot of money. But you don't you ever think that maybe most of the crooks are up there at the top running their governments and everything? You never, never see it in the same light, do you? Of course, when they do white-collar crime, they always say that it's um, it's victimless. Even though the, the millions of folk lost their homes, still losing their homes because of the con games with the banks. 
it's a victim. This is the guys. It's the people who are living on the streets in tent cities. See. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, and um, again with the amalgamation of countries. And again, I don't know why they bother printing this stuff because I've I've read it my whole life in Britain. Uh, not I'm there now, but it's, it's all going on. Britain was to be flooded with mass immigration. That was always the agenda from the Labour government of, of Harold's, what was his name, Harold, back in the 60s, and um, to the present time. doesn't matter what, but right wing, left wing, it's all the same agenda, because they'll sign all the deals to make it happen. No one ever comes in and, and, and tosses out the last bunch of rules made up by the last party. It doesn't happen. And people shopped to go to Britain. They would shop for the best welfare system, the best healthcare system, all this kind of stuff. And they had a good national health system in Britain at one time. It was good. It was efficient too. And um, then they brought in the Salmon system. They called it the Salmon Report. And, and, and this guy did a report survey for, for Britain's national health. And then he started destroying it right there from then on, copying the American system. And now, of course, um, under the EU... Uh, you, you've got health tourists. Epidemic of health tourists are costing billions of pounds as thousands fly to the UK for treatment and leave without paying. And the National Health Service is powerless to act, it says. How can you be powerless to act? It's because your government's in on this big long-term agenda. Mass immigration, mass multiculturalism, and so on. This is leading surgeon, uh, health surgeon says that described the National Health Service as the world's maternity wing. They all come from all over the planet. Thousands travel to the UK for cancer, HIV and infertility treatment for free. Professor Jai Miriam of Thomas, uh, Miriam Thomas cites a string of cases in a, in a stinging article and includes there's a widespread abuse of the NHS by ineligible patients. It won't stop because the EU government has told Britain to, 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 you can't turn them away. Well, the British public have to pay for all this as they watch their National Health Service being cut to the bone with cutbacks. Mind you, there's no saying that the public deserve what they get if they put up with it. Isn't that kind of true? Doesn't it get to a stage where you deserve what you get? It reminds me of Orwell's 1984 when when the the character Winston has got faith in, in the proles, he calls them, the people at the bottom. They're not in the managerial class running this whole con system of 1984. And, and O'Brien says to him, well, what's going to stop it? He says, well, the proles, well, he says, well, O'Brien says, the proles don't count. The proles were happy singing songs that were churned out by machines. And, and reading porno books that were also churned out by machines. This is before we had the computers. It's all managed that way today. But the pros don't count, they said. Anyway, it's the massive and escalating problem of foreigners travelling to Britain to exploit the NHS is costing billions every year. Well, they know this at the top. In a dramatic expose of the extent of health tourism, the leading surgeon said the cash-strapped health service becoming the world's maternity wing as expectant mothers arrive just to give birth. Thousands of others are flying for cancer, HIV, kidney and infertility treatment and then leaving without paying. Uh, some are so ill, even semi-conscious, that they have to be wheelchaired into, onto planes in foreign countries and arrival at the UK airports go straight to the National Health Service hospitals. 
Men arrive specifically to give birth and argue that they should not be charged because it counts as emergency care. Some are committing identity fraud, but the NHS is powerless to act. And the serious, serious, serial abuse it said here could be costing taxpayers billions every year. It's also destroying what was left of a health service for the people living in Britain. But they'll put up with it. Nothing will change. And they'll go and vote again for the same faces, you know. What can you say? And also, too, the EU, this union that nobody wanted except the guys behind it that, that uh, of course, really are out of the general public sight. Uh, they also want their own police agency to get more and more powers over all the other police agencies. I've got an article tonight about that, too. And also, the next envoy to Canada from the U.S. is to be, is, is going to be, again, guess what? It's going to be Goldman Sachs executive. Well, aren't they all? Isn't this just normal nowadays? Don't they run everything now across the planet? Just Bruce Heyman, the Chicago-based Goldman Sachs executive, one of Barack Obama's top fundraisers. Well, there's no, there's no special treatment for the boys in, in the crowd, is there? Is in final talks to become the next US ambassador to Canada, according to the sources. So, he's taking over from David Jacobson, so the tradition carries on. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the real system and what's behind things too. And as I said before, the real crooks are at the top. And that's quite normal, I think. Looking back on history, they probably always were. Because psychopathic types tend to claw their way up over all the bodies they leave behind to get to the top. They're ruthless, you understand. And it's hard for folk who don't crave power to understand these characters we're kept in a Disneyland version of reality at the bottom. While these guys at the top, they, they laugh at us completely and what we believe in and so on. But it says here, Francois Holland's uh, ex-campaign treasurer has Cayman Island shares, it says. That's pretty well normal. It says Francois Holland's facing another political headache after it emerged as his one-time campaign treasurer and his budget uh, politician holds shares in two companies registered in the Cayman Islands tax haven. And President Holland has been forced on, onto the back foot this week after his former budget minister, Jerome Kahuzak, admitted that he had secret foreign banks accounts for more than 20 years, containing 600,000 euros. He's probably got more than that in other ones. Now, a report in Le Monde newspaper citing an investigation using leaked records claims Jean-Jacques uh, Augier, a, four, four, a 59-year-old businessman, and the treasurer for Mr. Holland's presidential campaign last year had shares in two companies registered in the Caymans, which is a well-known tax haven. Asked by the newspapers, Mr. Augier confirmed his existence of the firms and said they had been set up to form partnerships with foreign entrepreneurs. Since there's nothing illegal, he told Le Monde, which carried out the probe with Washington-based International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. Now, this is an interesting organization, International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and other international media. I mean, this is going to be the new big stick on behalf of somebody. I don't know who's behind it. It's a big stick, obviously, that, that's uh, 
we don't know just yet where it's all supposed to be heading, but I know that in the British papers to the Guardian and other ones, they've got lists of, of top characters uh, who have offshore accounts, tax-free havens, and politicians, even Canada, they've got them up as well. I'll put some of these up today, but um, it's interesting how they, they came out of nowhere and who's funding them, I wonder. This is the first firm international bookstores was set up in 2005, so Augur could form a partnership with a Chinese businessman to break into the country's retail bookselling market, he said. So, you know, I guess he just forgot that money was there. And also, the IMF, you know, this international monetary fund that the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs set up, since it was, because it's, uh, since the RIA was comprised of the top bankers of the world, they naturally wanted to make sure they'd consolidate and, and own all the banking systems across the planet, ultimately, by running all the central banks. So they created IMF as well. So this great IMF company that nobody's voted for, mind you, it just seems to exist like, you know, gravity and we think it's all normal, will contribute a billion euros to the Cyprus bailout. This is after plundering them, stealing the depositors' money, but they'll give a, a, a billion dollars on loan, of course, to the Cyprus bailout. Isn't that nice of them? I wonder how much money they stole. This is international money from well, one billion over three years to the ten billion euro bailout for Cyprus. The IMF managing director Christine Lagarde said in a statement Wednesday. I'll put up again that article on director Christine Lagarde. She pays no taxes either, you know, for the IMF. That forces everybody else to do it. And she got raided, I think, last week too. I've got the article somewhere here. I'll put it up tonight. She got raided too for putting lots of taxpayers' money to, to help a friend out, a big and wealthy, wealthy character. So I guess she's got off with that as well, since she's still got the job, eh? But they want to steal your little bank account. All these, you know, honest people at the top. We're all run, run by crooks, folks. Utter crooks. Stop watching Disney. In fact, stop watching TV. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God, go with you.